0: And then we'll do a clap sync in three, two, one. Perfect. We're back with round two of roguelike madness.
1: Yeah. Without Gabe. True.
0: Um. <laughs> Again. Wow.
1: Okay. But
2: the rest <laughs> in peace. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Is it actually round two of roguelike madness or is it secretly round
1: three because of Into the Breach? That's the question that's been on my mind. Oh, it's definitely round three also okay. yeah um, but we also
0: had that like one rest week to do the whole deliberations i don't know
1: mm. also yeah. Raphael's back hi oh. Raphael.
0: hello our resident games expert
2: yeah <laughs> like genre in all genres we're gonna ask
0: him all the questions oh no <laughs>
2: yeah his tagline is he plays the game so we don't have to <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, his tagline is he plays the games well so we don't have to. <laughs> ah, true, true. Exactly. And in great depth. And we are appreciated. Yeah, he
0: thankful. plays the game well and in so much depth, he unlocks all of the class types, all of the mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> he... Oh I'm I proud know. to announce I'm that. I'm always I not. like,
0: I only did level one of everything and Raphael's like, I'm level twenty in everything.
3: I'll admit like, I, yes. I haven't played <laughs> Darkest Dungeon as much as the other two games that I've been on for.
0: So you've only logged like 60 hours in this one as opposed to like 120 in the others.
3: Wow. Yeah. 65.8 (laughs) hours apparently.
2: (laughs) What's really unfortunate about that joke that you made, Zoe, is not only were you correct on the first one, but you're actually underestimate on the others, I think. (laughs) So I think it is like 62.50, I think, right? Something like that. But yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: I guess, dear listener, what I mean to say is Raphael's definition of haven't played it as much is still 60 plus hours. Mm-hmm. So he's got a good grasp on this. So don't sell yourself short, Raphael.
2: <laughs> Under promise and yeah. over deliver. Yeah, that's the Exactly. The <laughs> <Yeah>. exactly. <laughs> okay, so wait, I have a question. What is Darkest Dungeon? Wow, look at that setup. So great. Uh, so teams. i have really good oh Raphael! That. oh
3: yes please darkest dungeon is about making the best of a bad situation quests oh, will sad. fail or must be abandoned <sighs> heroes will die and when they die they stay dead so yeah it's a game about a band of adventurers and you'll they'll actually be like rotating you'll get new ones and bring them into your group and you go on these dungeon delves And stress is a big mechanic in this. So it's not just, like, the health of the adventurers. They also get stressed out, and they can get, like, negative character qualities uh, from being Mm -hmm. stressed. And they also get positive ones. So it's got, like, a lot of really complex systems. Mm -hmm. Um,
0: Yeah, and boy are the systems very complex. As a beginner coming into this for the first time, like... I said during the FTL episode, like, the tutorial was just a bunch of text, Mm. and it was very hard to keep things in line and keep track of things. Darkest Dungeon takes that, and it just, like, turns that on its head, because it's just like, (laughs) here are 25 different systems that you all have to manage and manage well, and if you don't manage well, you will certainly suffer for it, and your party will suffer for it. Um, So... I admit, like, I think I restarted this game maybe upwards of, like, five times just because it's just, like, I'd play around, forget a certain part, and be like, ah, shit, shit, shit. Okay, well, we'll we'll just delete this save. We'll create a new save, and we'll start again. (laughs) Yeah.
3: I think one of the really, like, easy ways you can get punished is, like, initially you have very little idea of how to provision for an expedition. Like, each time you go into a dungeon delve, you can, like, supply torches and food and you have to like pay for these things. So it's like, well, how much should I be paying for? And it's really hard to know in advance without having done one, a similar one. Yeah. And if you like, all of those things,
1: right. Like torches, um, you use to, uh, there's a light level, um, that steadily goes down. Um, like the, the amount of light that you have as a party exploring the dungeon, you use more you use torches to increase that light um and the the brighter it is the um the safer it is, the less stress your heroes uh accrue um but the darker it is uh the more loot you get <clears throat> yeah. so you're trying to figure out. As as Raphael was mentioning, like how much you need to bring in in order to keep it at the light level that you're going for, to not succumb to madness. Um, right. And, and then, at the beginning
0: of each dungeon delve, you're given a duration. So is it a short, medium, or long duration room? Uh, and then, as well as your goal objective of which is usually explore ninety percent or explore a hundred percent of all the rooms uh, in this area, so you kind of have to take all of those things into consideration as you're provisioning. Mm-hmm. Me, I'm just somebody who just like destroys my finances just on provisioning because i buy like five shovels <laughs> and 20 torches and like 30 pieces of food because i'm like we're, we're not we're not going down guys <laughs> we're <That's>, good <laughs>
1: that that's like especially difficult difficult for your finances because all of those provisions take up slots in your inventory that you need for picking up loot yeah um mm-hmm did and you ever so, find yourself
2: dumping shit like fuck okay i know i bought oh, a bunch absolutely. of bandages but i don't give a fuck i'm tossing these bad boys overboard so i can get yeah this especially so the
0: journal pages mm. like that i learned were just flavor text so i'm like i don't have to keep these things do i well we'll just toss that back on the ground
2: dude that's one of my <laughs> old holdovers from just being a, a quote bad gamer like when i was a kid because like i think like the more i got older like the more i realized that like especially when you work with computers and machines, like names of things are really important and they're like exactly important. You know what I mean? But like I caught myself even this game being like, ah, those journal entries are probably deeds, which is a dumb thing to say because if it's a deed, it's going to say it's a deed. It's going to have the image of a (laughs) deed and it's going to say this is a fucking deed for your like town. It's going to say all that shit on top of it. But I was like, no, no, those kind of look like deeds, which just makes no sense in a video game to make that assumption. For, um, for
3: context, deeds are one of the several, like, upgrade materials for upgrading structures in your town, which help you, like, relieve stress and mess with character abilities and things. Yeah, and, like, and de- deeds are things you characters. actually need. Yeah.
2: Deeds are things you actually need. And flavor text is yeah. things that... I'm going to go out on a limb and say you don't actually need. <laughs> Let's put <it> that way. <laughs> And not only that, the flavor text, I guess, is, which apparently is what this is. I don't know. I started trashing them immediately when someone gave me that tip. So I don't even know what the fuck those things are. But... They don't even stack, bro. (laughs) (laughs) No, they don't. (laughs) Three slots in your inventory. That's like, that just reminds me of like people who go for like 100% in things, you know? Then they're like really keeping inventory space for this flavor text. But for me, at least at the the beginning, no fucking way. Um, But I would say like if you add on top of this the fact that there's a lot of systems that they show you early on in this game, that's true, via text and they explain to you these things. And I think they do as good as you're going to do, but... It's never going to do as good as actually playing the game and getting the real reps in. Um, And on top of that, there are a bunch of systems that they don't explain at all, and you just have to like run into them or have a need or something. Like sometimes it's even simple stuff, but there's a couple of things I I wondered if I could do and sought out in the game UI like a way to potentially do it. Like I thought to myself, is there any way I can trade any of these resources for each other? Like is there any way I can like I have a bunch of this one, but I really need. This other one instead. Can I trade? And you can actually, there's a little button down there. If you click, you can like trade like three of these rather common resources for one of these rarer ones. Um, and so you can get the upgrade in your town that you really need, but I don't even think they approach that concept. Um, like another one is I was in the inventory and you know, like let's say I had two stacks of eight torches, the stacks can only go up to eight. And so then, uh, or let's say I had two stacks of eight torches and then one spare torch and then I click the torch icon on the top of the screen and it uses one of my eight. So now it has like a stack of seven, a stack of eight and a stack of one. And I'm sitting there like, oh, fuck me. That is the worst way to do this. Can I do anything <laughs> about this? So it turns out you totally can. You can drag the one onto the seven and it'll stack on top. But of course they don't like get to that. So there's just like a lot of systems that you just need to figure out in classic roguelike fashion by just touching things and clicking around and, and just seeing just this work there's gotta be a way to do this or to know this or to see this coming there's gotta be right so there's a lot of that too and um where i was going with that is is, it's actually interesting because is this game a roguelike It's kind of i think a i know roguelike the genre what a nightmare but like there's a there's an interesting case here for this game in particular because in my playthrough i never restarted um ever i just lost people and then you know moved on uh but i actually think there's a huge value in restarting like and not having your a team take permanent fucking they're not permanent but like really hard to remove mental damage that then takes so much money and so much time to like undo like i i potentially would have been better off for restarting and actually watching elena play she uh obviously didn't restart, but she started. Uh, and it was just like, between the two of us, like I had some experience with the game already at that point. And so then I could like help guide her in the early stages. And it was like, oh my God, your playthroughs are already better than mine. fucking <laughs> like, <laughs> By like a lot, yeah. by like a lot, a lot. So I actually think like whether or not you're yeah. forced to restart, there's a value in like going out, getting as much information in your mind <laughs> as you can and then restarting. Um, mm.
0: right because so like, i just learned like that there is a value like a bunch of... to
1: those journals in 100 percenting oh, the is. game and nothing else yeah so okay. if you google it and you there's somebody who's like do i need to bring those home and people are like yes and the answer is no <laughs> <laughs> you heard <it> here first.
3: <laughs> well in, in defense <clears throat> of the journal pages like It is flavor text, but the flavor of this game is amazing. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. Like, the the writing and the atmosphere is just really well done. Their lines are breaking. Give them no quarter.
0: Not to mention, like, as soon as you launch the game like it doesn't start at a menu screen you launch the game and it immediately goes into this story with this like rumbling soundtrack and this like voice actor narrator guy who will narrate your entire journey who has a very commanding voice Mm -hmm. and who i really like um but yeah it it kind of it, it draws you in and really captivated me when i first played it like you play you press play and then you're like okay fuck i am in this like Mm -hmm. and it got me thinking like i i've said i said prior to this like an ftl episode um how like roguelikes just aren't really my style of game but i think i want to amend that statement just in the sense that i think this mix of narrative and gameplay in this roguelike genre is something that I really like. Um, Hades is another one that I really like because of the combination of story and gameplay as well. Um, And I think it just has to do with, like, the fact that this game, while hard, it is that flavor text as well as it's, you know, just the... I don't know if you want to call it window dressing, but, like, it's, like, the nice compliments to the gameplay that keep me wanting to play more of the game and make me less likely to, like, shut the game down and never play again. Um, And I was trying to think about, like, why this is. And, like, a part of me thinks it's because, like, these characters that you recruit onto your team and you have go out into these dungeon crawls, like... I don't know for some reason when there is a face to who I'm playing and they react to things that are happening to them and therefore I emotionally connect that way like I am able to really get involved in the game and really do my best to make a person survive whereas like in say um even like into the breach where you just have like a character portrait that doesn't change expression. Like even as their mech's on fire and they're going like, I'm going down. But like their character portrait is just them like stoically looking downcast. And you're like, I don't know. Like that doesn't connect with me as well as like watching a undead person club My crusader over the head, and he's like putting his arms up to defend himself and whatnot. Like Mm -hmm. I feel like that has something to do with it for me. (laughs)
2: Yeah, you mm -hmm. like watching people lose their sanity on screen.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, no, I I don't. I don't like it, but that's the reason Mm -hmm. why I like playing these games because I get emotionally connected. Mm -hmm. I mean, we we all played this game in a in a group, quote unquote, over the weekend in that we were all just on a discord call but all playing our own separate runs of darkest dungeon. McCoy was like streaming some of his game. Um but Which was there going was a poorly. point. <laughs> okay. <Yes. hold> on. <laughs> <laughs> called out, called yeah. out. Um, but um but like there there was a section in my game though where uh one of my my grave robber she was bleeding out and I had no more bandages and she was constantly at death's door and I kept on getting my healer to just heal her up but she was constantly just getting whittled down by the bleeding and just my expression throughout that entire dungeon crawl was just being like you know you can do it baby you can survive like hold on just a little bit longer and in the end she ended up surviving and I felt so happy And even one of my, like, full health guys, when she started bleeding out, like, ended up dying before she did. But, like, I love that. Like, that is, like, a a part of gaming that I really like is just, like, creating these little mini narratives in my head of being, like, this graver robber is going to be, like, she's going to make it out of here. I'm going to make sure. And, you know, we're going to pour all my resources into making sure she makes it out alive and oh shit my occultist just got pummeled to death but i don't care my grave robber is gonna make it Yeah,
2: this is a happy <laughs> end to the story with a small asterisk of i wasn't paying attention to this other person just <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> Nobody. it's like, always dude. the worst feeling when somebody who you didn't realize was close to you mentally breaking is suddenly has their resolve tested uh and you're like oh shit yeah, right. dude, I think, and I'm not sure if this is an option in this game,
2: but small aside, I do kind of wish there was an option to just, maybe you can, can you dismiss someone mid-journey? Does anyone know?
0: Mid-journey? yeah. I sit like so you have you go in with a group of four and then you dismiss them like in the middle yes. of the dungeon because dude no, when I, I had a couple
2: people that so. would freak out but they wouldn't just like freak out they would just yell some crazy shit and then everyone else would start freaking out
1: like bro oh god we're, we're stuck in here with this crazy <laughs> fucking person
2: and they're saying shit and they're hitting yeah. us and stuff
1: and I'm just I like I think that's why explicitly why you can't do that because
2: I just <laughs> yep. want someone to be like listen when we're all going to camp tonight, I'm going over there just like that guy's not going to say shit anymore. <laughs> like, but no, but 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 I think kind of what you're getting at, Zoe, and I think it's something that Raphael's reference, I think it's referenced, you know, throughout our history on the podcast. It's just like, you know, do, I guess the question is, do graphics matter or do aesthetics matter? These sorts of conversations. And I think they really, really do. Like, if you think about your attachment to this game in a, in a place or in a where you wouldn't have thought it would have had any at all, if you strip this game down to just its systems, like if there was no visuals at all here and just the numbers, like I feel like this might be as far away from a game that you might enjoy maybe as humanly possible. Because um, it's a right, lot of- Right, or even yeah. if it's
0: just like featureless pixelated people yeah. that are just going across a pixelated dungeon, like I would not have had probably as much fun as this. Like there is there is some satisfaction When you call on attacks or call on heals and you're watching it and like the impact of the blow and the sound effects coupled with the visual, coupled with like the damage numbers as well is always nice. Like it's very satisfying to like watch that and make it feel like you have an impact.
2: Like a crit heal when you need it. It's just like, oh,
1: thank you. Oh, yeah. 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 But
0: like. Right. And because this is a turn based combat game. As well, I think, it like, you know, I I was also saying, like, in Risk of Rain, one thing I didn't like about Risk of Rain was just all the numbers flying everywhere. And I never really knew how much damage I was dealing because there's, like, 25 numbers in front of me and, like, which one is mine? (laughs) Um, And because this is more turn-based style of gameplay, it's just more slow and I'm able to just more methodically plan out my moves um, in better ways in this sort of roguelike genre i guess or this style of roguelike
2: yeah and there definitely are a lot of roguelikes that are action oriented as well that will like have a lot of these mechanics but then punish someone for just missing a dodge in the middle and people go on one side or the other on whether or not they like that because it this this does allow you to slow it down um and really just play it methodically i mean so you can play it the way you want to of course like the 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 atmosphere doesn't really slow down. Like the music is still going, and like the intensity is still going. So it's nice. It reminds me a lot of XCOM when you're in between turns where it's still fucking intense, but you're just taking a moment to like, think about it and try to do it right. And like, I think that's like a really nice place to be. Like, cause sometimes I don't know if, sometimes I'm not up for like the action roguelike type games. Cause I'm just like, I'm never going to do as well this run just simply because I'm tired. Whereas like here in this mm. game, it's like, I can, I can do as well, I think. Um, Cause I'll just take it slow. So that, that's like mm-hmm. definitely like a cool part. It's funny though, because I'm thinking more about this aesthetics thing. And I really am thinking about like, cause you, you know, you were saying like, okay, so sometimes it's like just a pixelated, you know, you know, it doesn't have to be pixelated, but it could be like pixel art or whatever. Like there's certain aesthetics maybe that don't drive with certain people, but it's funny because if you actually look at this game, it's very bare bones. Like, do you know what I'm saying? Like, this is not a triple-A game even remotely. Like, it has, like, all the animations of combat are one animation, and they're barely even an animation. It's almost like a frame, like, change that they just do kind of intensely. They, like, shove the characters together, and then they, like, make a noise, and then they, like, show the numbers. But it's not like there's, like, some really cool animation that lasts for, like, 30 seconds in between or anything like that. It's And, like, the town is one screen, and the characters, like, all mostly look the same. You can change their outfits a little bit. Um But so it's like it's very bare bones from that perspective. In other words, it's very, very close to those other games that you're referencing that you're like, I don't like the aesthetic of these games. But it just goes to show that they really fucking nailed this one with so little. But it just fits together so well that it works. And I think it almost like Mm. casts some serious shade.
3: They're extremely efficient with their their artistic effort in that it's like there's a lot of details to this. But, like, each of them is just, like, really concise. And, like, it's just, like you said, <clears throat> single frames for the an- each animation.
2: Like, do you guys know the – um? there's a couple really badass – because they use color beautifully and light and stuff in their in their quote animations. Like, when you mark someone, you, like, point at them, and there's this, like, red target on them. But there's, the red illuminates your entire arm and shoulder that you're pointing them with. Yeah. And so it's just this beautiful, like, you – It's so intense. Like, that just a single frame change, they're able to be so expressive. Like, even the fucking, I think it's the Crusader, the one with the broadsword or whatever, the one that throws out the parchment and hits the first two uh, players. Yep. Yep. boom! Like, it it hits hard. Um, So, I would just say, like, I'm curious if other people had this experience. And he's literally
1: just holding up a scroll to them, and they're like, Oh, shit, that hurt. No,
0: my god. The, po- the, the power of Christ does compel. Exactly. Fuck.
1: <laughs>
2: exactly. No, seriously. Oh my god. It's 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 really impressive what they do with so little. Um and yeah. I think what I'm trying to say is that I think it actually double exposes those games that don't land visually and aesthetically just because this game has so little but it, like Raphael said it's so efficient with it. It really does show you that like Like this is, I would say, on the same tier as those other games that are those pixel art games that maybe just don't land with you. But maybe they land with someone else, you know, who likes that art style. Um, But like, because like, for instance, there's like one song, you know, and there's one announcer, like one voice actor. Then there's Mm. like one frame of animation for every attack. There's a bunch of different characters, but they all have a limited attack set. There's you see the... they
0: don't even talk they only have speech bubbles above them right right, right. Ex- <laughs> like...
2: exactly and yet dude this game like is already clearly a contender for best fucking style or something just cuz it fucking hits i agree i was i I, just, I guess like wrapping it up a little bit for what i'm saying it's just i was also really captivated by the first bunch of hours of this game um just because it's just it like this is Both at the same time, perhaps the perfect game to play with a podcast on from a system perspective. I'm going to run a dungeon and I'll just watch something else and chill. Or like for me, I I can't watch something else. I'd freak the fuck out. But if I listen to something, that would be fine. Except that I couldn't bring myself to do that with this game because the atmosphere and ambience was like so strong that I just got sucked in. And Mm. that's that's damn impressive, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Mm
0: Yeah. Completely
2: agree. So then let's maybe talk about the battle system a little bit because it's a little – I thought it was a little confusing at first. But once you understand it, you, like, kind of understand it. It's very positional-based. Like, you know you guys what I'm saying? Like, you have, like, the four slots on your side and you can do moves from certain slots only and you can hit certain slots on the other side as well. And so right. it's, like, understanding that from your perspective. Like, oh, I'm best – This guy's best third. The healer is only going to be effective at this third or fourth slot. And then you start to realize your opponents have similar properties as well. Like you see some of their ranged guys with crossbows. And you're like, I wonder if I actually pulled that guy over here, if he would be kind of useless. And he's not useless, but he has to start meleeing, which is not nearly as effective. And it does like half the damage. And you're like, oh, interesting. So it becomes this weird like positional game. Did you guys ever play any characters that like could move people around or do anything like that?
3: yeah I played a bit with like the occultist and I would pull the ranged characters a lot with him and that was effective
0: and that one is especially yeah. nice because the <clears throat> occultist not only pulls people to the front but then also gets rid of any dead bodies in your way so like what I would always do is have like my crusader and my uh and my highwayman like take up the take the first two slots out so then it's just their dead rubble on the floor and then the occultist would pull the ranged guy forward which poofs the rubble mm-hmm. and therefore then the highwayman and crusader could attack them again because mm. um, that's another thing you have to keep in mind like you have these four slots and the enemy has four slots but as the enemy dies they leave behind these rubble that can also block your way to getting too farther to reach enemies mm-hmm. Which uh, you know those big guys that take up two slots all mm-hmm. on their own, those guys were fucking annoying. <laughs> yeah, you can't AOE them yeah. for two.
2: I was actually wondering if you could hit them twice with your AOE, but you can't. You only hit them once. I'm pretty sure. So right. yeah. Although it's interesting because it's all comp dependent, right? Because I had um, he's not okay. So I don't I don't have the names of the people in front of me, but the dude who throws the blight, the dude with the beak. You know what I'm saying? The, the plague, plague doctor. The plague yeah. doctor. So the plague doctors like keep the bodies on the ground. So they can stay in the back, in the back two slots. So I can just double blight them yeah. in the back. So it's all dependent on whether you want to bring people to the front so that your Crusader and Highwaymen can wreck them, or if you want to keep them in the back so your ranged people can just melt them alive. So it's 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 really cool in that way. Um,
0: but you need to have a composition that complements each other well. This was one mm-hmm. of my learning things mm-hmm. that I had to figure out, and that I restarted a game over where. Um, it was just this particular run. I was only able to recruit uh, people who could fit into the first two slots, basically. Like, everyone I was getting was melee. The only people that could fill the back line was, like, a the healer woman. I forget what her... The Vestal. Title. Yeah, the Vestal. Right. Um, and so that one was particularly, like, rough because at that point in time of my knowledge of the game, I was like, I just want people that have really effective attacks, but I wasn't even thinking about how well they mesh together Mm -hmm. in terms of, uh, synchronicity, I guess of like, so I was constantly in every battle, just having to shuffle them around of like, okay, you go to the front and then next turn you'll get a hit, but then this guy needs to shuffle here. So I was doing like a shuffle game and I was just getting murdered for it. Um, because I was wasting move turns just positioning my people and less on actually attacking the enemies. And there's also some um, characters
3: that, like, reposition as part of their attacks. Like, the the grave robber has a sort of one-two punch system where they'll, like, dash back and become evasive. Um, and then the next turn they can lunge forward and do a bunch of extra damage. Um, but, right, like, when yeah. they do that, they're also, like, changing the positions of everybody that they're jumping around so like if you don't structure your team well around that you can really like make it that those people can't do anything yeah
2: and that's i think really like because you talk about trade-offs right and we talk about that a lot in into the breach and like ftl and stuff like that like into the breach especially it's like well it damages my team or it does this and i think like the positional trade-offs in this game are are pretty cool like, because there are things you can really, like, plan around, like, at, from the start. Like, once your knowledge is set. Um, which I'm sure you could kind of do it into the breach. but sometimes you get into scenarios where are like, fuck, this is really biting me right now. But I feel like you can composition enough to, like, kind of shore up the weaknesses of some of those, like, repositional things. Like, another example is the Highwayman has this really ridiculously cool ability called Point Blank Shot, where he just, like... He just fucking blows the first slot away. But he has to be in the first slot himself. And then he knocks himself back to the second slot. And it just does massive damage and it looks badass. And so, like, as long as you, like, are okay with that second guy coming in first, like, you can kind of shuffle them around. And if that second guy, like, for instance, if it was two high of and they were blasting back and forth, that'd probably be a really effective strat. So...
1: Yeah, high damage but low uh, tankiness. Right. Right? Right. <clears throat> right. But, but like... Um,
2: what. I guess what i'm saying sorry just, just just to finish this then i'll let you sorry james but yeah, yeah, yeah it's like um in some games force the negative on you i guess and i think in this game you can plan around the negative the drawback enough that it becomes either negligible or like a plus like that's kind of what i'm saying with that two highwayman strat that's all of a sudden a plus that's no longer like hurting you like well, you take 12 damage, but you do double damage. It's like, no, 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 no. Now you've actually thought about your composition enough that you're actually getting an advantage out of this disadvantage. And I think that's badass. Like, that's where I want to go with, with downsides in games personally is I want to strategize around them enough that they can somehow miraculously benefit me. I think that's pretty cool.
0: Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think I
2: that's mean, super cool. I mean, that
0: said, cool. there, there are <clears throat> definitely some negatives in your runs that, like... I think there are some negatives that can no longer be negligible after a while. In particular, I'm talking about the system of every character that you recruit has a series of plus and minuses. Um, So, like, for instance, like, I think the Crusader who starts out with you, like, at least the one I started out with, his plus was like, if the light level on the torches is above 75%, he does 15% damage. I'm like, cool. Mm -hmm just stock up on torches because we're gonna be above 75 percent this entire time but then his negative is a uh, kleptomaniac which is like as you're going about the dungeon and you're trying to like loot to get currency to spend in town at some point your crusader is just gonna run on ahead of you and just take it all for himself and you don't get any of it which is pisses me off and i think is what mccoy mentions when he was like can we just like de-recruit a member halfway through yeah. i had one run where my crusader stole 75 percent of the lootable items and i was oh, like, no. that
2: shit is not are acceptable are fucking kidding <laughs> me no.
0: like i did want to just like kill him <clears throat> right then and there but i was just like no okay breathe another really bad one actually that i experienced on saturday was there was this one uh i think it was my I think it was my grave robber. She got a um, she obtained a negative quirk mm-hmm. in that if the light is ever yep. below 50 percent, she consumes a hundred percent of your food.
1: Lovely. <laughs> That's so bad.
0: I immediately and then, and then admitted her into the san- sanitarium to. to take care of that.
1: You have to. <laughs> one One important thing about food is that sometimes your party is like, yo, we're hungry. Let's eat. Yeah. And if you don't have enough food then they all take stress and damage. Mm-hmm. Um Yep. So running out of food is bad cuz they can they can do that kind of I think somewhat randomly like there's yeah. I think there's like a maximum amount of time that it can go without doing that but like any time between that and a certain minimum like it'll just happen. Right. So on on short runs where you don't have to camp which also requires food mm-hmm. um i got like three or four meals and i'm like dude you're in here for like an hour we don't need we don't need yeah. all of this
3: <laughs> yeah and that's
2: kind of like the like, aesthetic of the game yeah. kind of tricking you a little <clears throat> you know cuz it's like yeah. It, the kind of premise is like, okay, yes, I know it looks like we're just walking through one hallway, but really, like, we're adventuring, <laughs> you know, like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> pretend. Yeah.
0: yeah. Like, right, and the, I think that the, the, the thing is, like, as Raphael said in his lovely summary of the game, like, this whole, whole game is about making the most out of a bad situation. So, like, yeah. there is no such thing as a dungeon run where everyone comes out with zero stress, zero guilt damage i mean maybe there's zero damage runs who knows but like for the most part the trade-offs you have to do throughout your entire dungeon run is just essentially just damage control the entire time of like you are gonna get stressed out this is a medium length quest someone's gonna like really start uh panicking here soon how can i mitigate this um and I, I find that mechanic, as much as it's like, I, I believe our, our phrase for it on Saturday was the, uh, this game is a whole bunch of, can you not? Crush your mark? <laughs> like, because you would just be going throughout a room and someone just panics and then that panicked person will just yeah. stab one of your members in the back for 25 damage. And you're like, can you not? <laughs> like,
2: yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> so like... As frustrating as that is sometimes, I find it to be a very interesting and compelling game mechanic that surprisingly made me want to keep playing. Uh, it, it wasn't rage-inducing as much as it was just... Or at least for me, it wasn't rage-inducing as much as it was, just, it was just like, okay, well, here here's where we are. How do we get out of this situation?
2: My My theory for that is that I actually think the, not because it's not smartest, maybe wisest, maybe best thing that you did was restarting a couple of times after like shit went really south with the knowledge. So you gained the knowledge and then wiped the slate clean. And I think that really Mm -hmm. allows, because it's like, I think this is kind of true with all roguelikes is it's like, it's about some sort of curve somewhere, you know, where it's like, you're getting stronger. The world is getting stronger too. And it's like, are you ahead of the curve? And this is like especially true with Risk of Rain, but it's true with yeah. a lot of games as well. I would say maybe all Roguelikes, definitely Dead Cells, stuff like that. Dead Cells is one of the games you can feel the curve like most intensely, I think. Um, but like, what I mean by that is, you know when you're weak and they're destroying you. You know when it feels like an even fight and you know when you're destroying them. Or at least it's going well. And maybe you're not destroying them in a game like this, but it's at least going well. And so... I think the curve, and this is something Raphael pointed out maybe a couple weeks ago, or something like that, or maybe it was even last time, is that like in a lot of roguelikes, the curve is somewhat dictated by your knowledge set that exists in your head, and so even though like, and I think because the game is so punishing with what it'll, if you make mistakes and your people start shooting each other, or your people start, yeah, always shooting each other no matter what, unless you like. Take them to the sanitarium. There's only so many slots there and they're just fucking stealing things and they're activating traps and, like, all that stuff. It can really, like, snowball against you. But I feel like if you... Because this is what I experienced a lot when Elena was playing. We were able to, like, through our knowledge increasing, through knowing how things worked, like, able to have a really... I'm not sure if it's, like, a clean run, but one... A run where, like, I felt like we were really ahead of the curve, if that makes sense. Like... We were really actively using, there's one enemy left, and so we're going to actively shuffle our characters around, burning their turns so that we can get to our healer, who's healing everyone. We're going to take opportunities uh, when there's a low damage character and it's the only one alive against us. uh, Like, we're going to take opportunities to heal or reduce stress or to do these moves that, like, give us stuff, uh, advantages like that that you wouldn't do in battle. And, like, we're going to come in with the right amount of supplies, maybe a little extra, or, like... We're gonna come in with a comp that makes actual sense. And like once you start to do all these things, and these things are all in the head, none of these are like the levels of the characters really. I mean, it's nice when they level up and are stronger, but this is all like our understanding of the game. When that increases, I feel like you can get to a point where you're at least mitigating the bad stuff of this game a lot, or you're like, yeah, maybe like mitigating the bad stuff of this game a lot, maybe like a little bit ahead. But then it becomes kind of reasonable when someone freaks out. And they, like, stab you a couple times. You're like, okay, this is a problem, but it didn't just kill everyone. You know? This is a problem, but I can continue.
0: Right. You're making less error out of stupid mistakes of carelessness as much as it's just like now you're finally able to face like the actual challenge of the game throwing a bunch of bad shit in your face and you have to mitigate as opposed to dealing with all the bad shit on top of your dumbassery because you forgot this item does xyz you forgot this character does xyz or whatever or
2: or you didn't even (laughs) know what happens when you touch that thing that takes you to another portal to the other fucking world and you touched it and it turns out all your best characters are dead now um, yeah. <laughs> yeah and so it's like so funny yeah that happened to me oh god it happened to me too it's like it's so funny because like people come down on different ideas of like how much you should tell someone when they're learning a game but Elena asked me like what happens if I touch this nether portal and I was like don't I
1: was like across the room like don't fucking touch that thing it's not working <laughs> like you know and she was just like oh cool you all can right, touch it you don't want to use a torch on it but it explicitly says, it's like the only one that explicitly says, like, yeah, you can use a torch on this. yeah
0: <laughs> Right, which I, I think that was, like, one of, like, my very first game mistakes was I clicked on it. I was like, oh, yeah, sure, I'll light a torch. And then suddenly the Call of Cthulhu just yep. comes out of nowhere. And I'm like, fuck, yep. this isn't good.
2: Yes, not good. And then you're like, time to learn about the retreat mechanic. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so- oh, you can't hear. <laughs> Yeah.
0: Well, so actually, notably, that is another thing about this game. There is this retreat mechanic that you can do where you can do a dungeon crawl. And if things are just going way south and you just want to get out of there, you can actually escape with, um, but it's to the detriment of your party's sanity, I suppose. Um, But like, if things were seriously going south and you just wanted to, be able to mitigate as best as possible there is that escape option it's not a we're gonna run you dry until you, there's nothing left and then slay your mother and then slay your father yeah. <laughs> but, it's, but
2: it's kind of close because like yeah cause it's like okay your favorite guy who's level three and he has all your amazing gear you don't want him to die here so you run and that's great but you are definitely gonna have to put him out of commission for a while to deal with the craziness that just like descended upon his mind like, there, there definitely is, like, a lot of cost still. And they try that really hard. In fact, in fact, that's the reason why if you look at your moves, there's, like, you know, your four attacks, and then there's move, and then there's pass, and it's, like, this really small button, pass. And you highlight it, and it just says, like, by the way, it's going to fuck your shit up. Like, <laughs> your dude's going to freak the fuck <laughs> out if he passes. And you're, like, really? Why? And it's, like, they, they want to really do a lot to push you towards... The craziness and like not cheesing, but they're like, okay, we'll let you leave if you want, but you will take insanity for this for sure. Um, And it might take a long time to recover, but you don't have to lose all your favorite people if you don't want to. You don't have to.
0: I mean, that's what I would always do in XCOM, right? Mm -hmm. Like XCOM, if I never wanted to fight, I would just skip everybody's moves to just Mm -hmm. like stalemate until an uh, an alien came across my path. Mm Um, which that I would just slay them with like nine people on Overwatch. Yeah, Overwatch crawl. Um, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I, I kind of did appreciate that the game is like, yeah, there's no there's no skipping here. Like yes. you, you can't do that so, here. So I will say the <laughs> one
2: skip that you can do is shuffling your characters around via the move command. There is a mechanic that stops you, quote, from doing that a little bit, which is that uh, if you wait long enough, more enemies will come back. Uh which I found out because I was shuffling people around for so long, healing everyone yep. with my healer, that more people appeared. And they even telegraphed it. Someone's like, God, we really shouldn't dilly because there might be creatures. And I was like, are you just saying that? doesn't
3: seem like you're just <laughs> saying that.
2: They're not just saying that. Um,
3: yeah, so I actually played, I think, before they added that. And it was added specifically because people were, like, waiting on the last enemy and just, like, healing up and de-stressing the entire party. Yes. Uh, which you mentioned a bit mccoy like as something you did to patch up a bit yes
2: and you can do it a bit and i do advise that you do so and i so okay so just just to talk about this a little bit um when we were giving this description of this game one of the things we mentioned was there's health obviously which you have to manage for sure and it comes with a level of priority just pre-baked into all of us gamers that we just feel like Well, you can't let people die, and okay, you're absolutely right. You should not let people die, probably. That's, like, not even something that I'm going to challenge here. But
0: (laughs) That would be bad.
2: That would be bad. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Oh, (laughs) Elena had someone die in the room before a boss, and she was like, well, fuck me. (laughs) (laughs) And fuck you is the uh, correct response to that. But um, the other thing you have to manage is a little bit... um, more s- sinister it's the stress and we've talked a little bit about it and around it but what makes it so beautiful is you take stress and they say some things like oh god i'm freaking out or whatever but like before they actually hit the threshold of freaking out like i'm scared we shouldn't be here but it doesn't affect you until it hits this point point. and then at this point it can reveal like of course bad traits about you it can also reveal positive traits too um, but then it starts to sp- often spiral out of control And that's what's so crazy about it, is you can float a lot of stress in a party, but then all of a sudden you hit this threshold, and and like we've mentioned, they start doing crazy shit, they start shooting each other, they start freaking each other out. Like, one thing that happened to me a lot was one person would just start freaking out the rest of the party, who then would start freaking out, and then they're freaking out the rest of the party, and it's just nonsense. So it's like you can float this resource a lot, and you can spend all this time healing, but then there comes a point where you really need to start managing this and it might even be too late. Um and I think that's re- Cuz yeah. it does
0: give a sense of security as well cuz you look at you look at like the HP bar versus like the stress bar. Mm-hmm. HP bar is usually like, you know, 20 out of 20. So you're like, "Oh, okay. I only have 20 hit points of health." And then stress is 0 out of 200. So you're like, "Okay. Like, I feel like that always lulls you in this fake sense of security of like, oh, I've got 200 hit points. Little do they tell you is that sometimes like stress stacks on like in multiples of 15 and 20. So it's like, like, like McCoy said, like things spiral out of control super fast if you let somebody get too many, you know, stress levels of 20 all at the same time or whatnot
3: yeah i would actually Um. say that like managing the stress feels way more important than managing health like as long as somebody doesn't die by the time you like retreat or get to the end like they'll get fully healed but the stress they keep with them and then you have to like send them to the brothel or (laughs) send them gambling or something to like get them to de-stress because they're just carrying that with them otherwise
2: yeah and it puts them out of the next journey It's, in fact, like a mechanic that in XCOM, right, was, like, combined. Like, if they get hit at all in XCOM, then they're out for a couple of missions or something like that. But in this case, no, it's if they're stressed, they're out for a couple of missions. So it's that thing you're Mm -hmm. floating. But, God, is it so hard for me not to try to keep everyone's health tippy-top all the time. You know, I just – I can't. Yeah, right. I can't let them be, like, waltzing through at death's door. But don't worry because I calculated it out. Like, oh, my God. It's too terrifying, man.
0: Right. Yeah, it's definitely just, like, I, like, there are just so many times where I'd be, like, well, I I only, like, to me, it's just, I think it was just another learning experience, because there would be a couple times where I'm, like, oh, she's only stressed out 50 out of 200, but then I think in my mind, I'm, like, that's a quarter of the way stressed, like, that's a little insane, like, maybe I should mitigate that, um, and I, I don't know. I find the voice lines that they say when people freak out to be hilarious. Um, I think there was one that happened with McCoy over, uh, on his playthrough where like <laughs> one person got stressed out to the point where they broke and had like a negative character effect happen to them. One of the other members of his party tried to attack a, uh, uh, one of the uh, enemies and misses. And then the guy who's like cursed, like says something like we're all doomed or like just says something really negative And the whole party like gets really stressed out as a result. Yeah. And
2: the person who missed gets extra stressed because he's directly uh, referenced, you know, like, God, this guy's terrible. We're fucked. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's true.
3: That shit adds a lot of character, man. There's no doubt. Um, it's like when you're playing an online ahead. team game and somebody's like, oh, this team is too hard to carry. Dude.
0: No, but for like, for real, yeah. I was like, all I could yeah. think about was like flashing back to my like League of Legends days yeah. when, you know, like somebody would try to do something and fail and then you just see like someone in all chat or in like team yeah. chat just being like, GG, better jungler wins. And yeah. you're like, oh, that hurts. my soul.
2: Dude, I we had, I, were you guys there for this or not? I, I Roughly, you were there for this, right? This fucking dude, we were playing Valorant the other day and Ranked, and this dude just, he's he's like, has like a significant amount more kills than everyone else. I think he maybe had, you know, 15 or so relatively early on, and everyone else is around like eight or something. And he tells this guy, like, you need to do like this. Like, you need to like cover me like this. And the guy's like, well, here's what, what I was trying to do, and, and here's how I, you know, didn't succeed, but I think it was worthwhile. And he just says, don't talk to your carry like that. That's what he said. I've never heard that phrase before. <laughs> Don't talk to your carry like that. And the dude's like, fuck you, dude. Like, you just got some kills. Like, whatever. I'm trying to do my best. And he's like, no, listen to me. You either listen to your carry or I'm leaving this game. And so then they just start quarreling. And then I'm, of course, trying to do my my um, management where I'm just like, guys, <clears throat> not here. Let's focus, you know, stay strong. <laughs> and then so then, like, it's, it comes to the second half. And I think we're, like, up by eight to seven or something. So it's not a huge lead, but it felt like a game that was very winnable. Like, truthfully, I was thinking, like, we win this game if motherfuckers don't just have a panic attack in the middle of the fucking game and quit.
0: If somebody's stress levels weren't above (laughs) 100 Yeah, it was just, like,
3: so closely paralleled to, like, what the stress system models in Darkest Dungeon. Yeah,
2: we're fucking winning. And he's just like, that's it. I'm fucking done. I'm fucking done. I hate this guy. And we're like, okay. And he's like, enjoy your loss like idiots and we're like okay like we will i guess and then so then he just goes silent on the mic and then this other dude starts talking mad i was like what the fuck is wrong with this guy man this piece of shit i'm like guys focus focus we can do this for winning this <laughs> fucking game i don't know why i'm trying to like still win this game but we got close didn't we rafael it's like 11 12 by the end level 13 but anyways. yeah i think so but it was just funny because like the guy goes completely radio silent on the mic and But continues to play and he just starts lurking just like playing totally away from us but then we start having great success as a four one split and he starts having great success over there in his corner and we start having great success as four and so then he hasn't said anything for like three rounds we won all three rounds so now it's like we're like very ahead that that probably was the last (laughs) round we won to be honest so we're like very ahead in this game and he realizes "Fuck, we're gonna win even though i'm trying to teach them a lesson so he hard quits the game (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't
2: good enough for him to just go silent he has to hard quit so he hard quits the game and it was just this like beautiful moment of like what the fuck like wh- what is wrong with this guy's mind like is this guy okay <laughs> and, and and
0: my team is doing well <laughs> fuck these I know exactly like, we're winning
2: yeah. <laughs> and I'm shutting the fuck up it's like <laughs> it's like dude this is our ideal scenario why are you gonna dodge this but yeah um, it was just a beautiful I have to say like I always say this shit to people in game if they're ever like really like bummed out. And it's always just like, it sucks that we had to deal with that guy, but keep in mind he lives in that mind, if that makes any sense. He deals with that guy every day, whereas you get to go to the next game. You know what I'm saying? So, (laughs) and that's how I felt about these fucking people in Darkest Dungeon. I'm like, okay, I dealt with you for one run, but that's it. I am dismissing the fuck out of you. You suck. You don't just get to stab people and steal shit. And roll in my party. Um, (laughs) So I actually got to a kind of unique scenario in my game because like I said a million times, I didn't restart at all because I wasn't sure if you had to. Um, But I got into this negative sort of spiral where it was costing a lot of money to heal my A and B team up again from like a a fear perspective and also from a quirk perspective. So a lot of the quirks were staying on them because you can't um, heal their quirks and reduce their fear at the same time. You have to like choose. And so they're going to be out for many weeks. And so both my A team and my B team were beaten down by this mission. I just couldn't quite beat. It was like a it's like a yellow mission, you know, <laughs> or, or something like orange, <laughs> you know, a little harder, like a level three or something. And I was trying it and I was getting close, but everyone was taking like, but then of course, when you retreat, I want to lose my guys, then they take this huge toll. So it was like really a lot. Um, and so I spent a lot of my gold on that. I realized I was like very low on gold and very low on people that were actually useful at all. And so it looking back on it, The right answer was to restart my save probably or potentially dismiss everyone and start over, Um, Whoa! which I that's what I realize now. But at the time, my solution was I'm going to take a band of four people that I've never seen before, and I'm going to enter them into a dungeon, a short one, ideally with zero provisions. I'll spend nothing and they'll go in the darkness and they will take damage when they don't eat. And I'm just going to try to get as much as I can and then get out and then dismiss them afterwards. And I'm just going to use this like a machine to just churn through my like wagon people basically to generate gold for me to get back in the game. And I realized like I probably should have just restarted, but I was doing that for a little while, which was an unfortunate um, coincidence or coincidence. <laughs> but no, 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 sorry. It's a, it was unfortunately coinciding with uh, what we were doing on Saturday or at least what I was doing apparently, which was when someone dies, you take a drink. <laughs> so I was yeah. No, we
0: don't just take a drink. You take yeah, a you shot. Yeah, you take a shot.
2: And so I you know, I'm playing with these green motherfuckers and they're they have no provisions. It's not looking good for them, okay? They're freaking out in like two rooms and I'm just trying to stay alive. Oh, and the comp doesn't make sense either because they're straight from the wagon. Like, that's the thing. The <laughs> comp makes so much fucking sense. Like, Elena's comp was so cool. She played with, I don't know if you guys use these guys, but they were the uh, the guys with a hook. You ever seen that shit? They're like, they're like- Oh, yeah, the yeah, bounty yeah, hunter. The bounty hunters? The bounty hunters. Those guys are badass as fuck because what they do is they have, like, a pretty traditional melee that hits pretty fucking hard, and then they have a mark, just you, and then they also have a pull- A grappling hook that can grab people in the last three slots and bring them three slots up so you can take a ranged person and pull them all the way up to the front Um, and it marks them at the same time and then what they do is if you hit someone who's marked you do approximately double damage and so she had two of those so one would mark and then they would just go back and forth smashing this person for like 40 damage each it was like insane and so I was looking at this like Two of those guys, a healer, and then some blight from the background, just lobbing bombs. And I was like, "This is done better than anything I've ever made." <laughs> like, <laughs> like, <"God laughs> damn it! But I think that's just like the value of like once the knowledge hits a certain point, you can craft something that's really starting to work. And I think that's where this yeah. game kind of like changes um, from its initial like torment to you're actually playing the game now uh, in a serious way. Did you did you guys have some comps that really like worked for you? I'm curious what what comps people were loving.
0: Um, for me, actually, I I because I restarted my game so much. There's actually a lot of synergy with the first four that they usually give you, which would be the Crusader, the Highwayman, the Plague Doctor, and the Vestal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. There's actually a lot of synergy with those four. Um. I think that's what they give you at the beginning of a uh, a. Uh, easy level. I don't know if it's maybe the same for um, harder difficulties if you go in. Um, but then after that, I actually found synergy with the uh, Crusader, the Man-at-Arms, the Grave Robber, and the Vestal. Wow. Um, Man-at-Arms, by the way, I just got him in my last mm-hmm. run. He's like OP as fuck. <laughs> How so? <laughs> I He's love good, the Man-at-Arms. Dude. He's got... At least my, mine had an ability where... Uh, he, well, first of all, he's super tanky. I think he starts off with like 35 health or something. Whereas like everyone else starts out with maybe about 20 to 23. Um, but one of his abilities... Um, he deals some damage and then he marks himself. But then also has a parry. Oh, uh, parry riposte uh, ability. So basically... People would attack him because he's marked, but then he would he would take a little bit of damage, but then he'd deal a like about seventy five percent of their de- damage back onto them. So basically, I was just using him as a sponge of soaking up all the damage, and he was also dealing damage back, um, respectively. And so basically, it was just like my vessel would just try to heal him up as much as possible, and he was like single-handedly taking out a whole crew. That's awesome.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I really like that guy too. Um, I really enjoy applying uh, dots damage over time, uh, like the bleeding and the blight. So I would just try and put somebody that could do one of. Each of those things into each of my parties and just work around that, mm-hmm. uh, which isn't necessarily optimal, but was how I wanted to play the game.
0: Because
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. I feel like James, the trade off um, with those things is kind of like, do because they often are like either AOE or they're like damage over time, right? So it's like you don't kill them immediately,
1: but you can like spell yeah, it's, their death. Right. It's it's like it's um. It's ramping damage as opposed to like upfront damage. Right. Okay. Um, so it's harder to end a an encounter very quickly, but you can end long encounters without dying. You know.
2: And that's partially because of the way these yeah. things stack, which I actually think is really key to understand, which I didn't understand at first, which is. Um, and do correct me if I'm wrong, but this is my understanding. If you take something like Bleed, right, and let's say it does one damage for three turns and then a turn has gone by, first of all, the damage is applied at the beginning of their turn. So you can actually know for sure if someone is dead next turn and so you don't even have to worry about them, which is cool. Yeah. Um, And it can't be dodged or anything. I mean, it can be resisted when it's applied, but the damage afterwards is guaranteed. So if you had an example where you had three turns of Bleed for one damage and then a turn goes by, so now you have two turns of Bleed for one damage, and then you apply that same bleed again, the three for one. It now becomes three turns of two damage. So that's like more than even stacking. It's actually it resets how long the turn counter is, and it adds a damage point. So
1: instead of like, so yeah, I'm not I'm not one hundred percent certain that that's how it works. Hmm. I I think that um. Raphael, can you confirm with me on this that it's actually a little bit
3: misleading? So it's like it shows you the damage they'll take on the next turn and how many turns are remaining of all of the debuffs like collectively, but I think they're actually like separate things that are applied. So it's like Yeah. When there's two of them you'll see double damage, but the double damage is not gonna last for the full duration, it says.
1: Yeah, so In that case, if it's one for three turns and then one for three turns the next turn, it's two for two turns and then one for one turn. Right.
2: Right. I was wondering about that. Maybe I never
1: let them live that long? (laughs) But also, if you just continuously keep applying the the stack, then it never goes down, right? Mm
3: -hmm. And I believe you can also crit and get uh, extended duration off of that.
1: Oh, I don't think I knew that. I would believe that. I never like looked that hard at the duration. To be honest, it, it like beyond like two turns. Uh, <laughs> That's all you need. Um, it's you. It's it's hopefully all you need. Otherwise, you got bigger problems. Um, or it's a boss fight. So, who's your favorite bleeding slash blight like crew? Oh, I really like the Jester for bleeding. Um, The Grave Robber has a good blight ability, uh, a ranged blight ability, or the um, uh, the Plague Doctors. um, I'm a fan of. Did you run Uh, the Jester Jester. also?
3: Has a stress relief ability, right? Yeah, that's really strong as well. Yeah, stress relief is really strong.
2: Dude, yeah. I love that stress relief actually matters in this game because it. all these games remind me of when I played Pokemon back in the day. And I'm sure some high-level Pokemon player can tell me I was an idiot, and fair enough. But I beat the game, so take that. Um, but it's just like, it's like, you could either hit this guy for his entire health bar... <laughs> Or you could, like, increase your attack speed by a small amount, (laughs) you know?
1: (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah.
2: (laughs) So that's how I feel. That's the thing
1: about the Pokemon campaign is that you don't have to interact with any of the mechanics to win it.
2: (laughs) Yeah, and I think that's intentional, and I enjoyed it as a kid. But it's just one of those things where in this game, I looked initially at a move like, reduces stress. as like, I don't give a fuck about that, but I give a fuck about that. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, that is a cool, powerful ability um yeah i'm curious james did you run the jester with finale or no
1: i did have a finale jester yes mm-hmm.
2: so finale for people who finale who,
1: go ahead is is really good at ending the fight mm-hmm. um yeah do you want to describe I, mean, it? I was
2: just gonna say that like if you run a finale jester like it's a different build within and, and a lot of these characters so the thing is okay you can take these characters to a place to choose which abilities they get you cost some money but you can have four active at once. And so if you had a a man-at-arms, for instance, that had all those parry moves and then he dies or he's at least resetting in the fucking brothel um, with the woman-at-arms. Um, oh, is there
0: a... Go to therapy. Okay.
2: Anyways. Um... <laughs> I just need to use the soundboard one time. Okay. Uh, reasonable. Everyone. Composure. Composure. <laughs> um, But yeah, so you can actually choose what moves they have if you're willing to spend. They have to get to level one or two or whatever. They have to level up one time, I think, in order for you to actually do this. But you can choose, you can tailor make what they have if you're just willing to spend. So one of the builds you can do with the jester is the finale jester where a lot of his moves or maybe all of his moves, depending on how you use it, they all build up, like they do an effect, but they build up the damage of this finale move. And so it's like, I'll do some damage and maybe cause some bleed and then 30% increase on finale damage. And so as the fight's going on, this jester's just building his finale, and his finale then can be this move that like basically can't miss and just does insane damage. Uh, but then the the downside of it is that it hits him with a bunch of negative stats, um, or negative debuffs, I should say. They're not anything that's permanent, and they'll leave once the battle's over. But you need to like kill someone with this and ideally end the fight or maybe start to end the fight because he's really going to open himself up to a lot of stuff and become kind of useless later on. But he can do this huge blow, um, which is sweet. Like finale is pretty sick, no?
1: Yeah, I didn't. So I didn't go full finale jester. Um, partly because I'm too invested in making things bleed. Um, So, I would basically just use that ability until there was one person left and then finale the shit out of them. Um, (laughs) And it'd be like 50 damage, they're dead. Mm. All right, sick. (laughs) Yeah. And he does. I probably could have done that five turns ago and ended the fight. (laughs) (laughs) Is that the one where he bows? Is that the one where he bows? Just like this, like badass, like fucking, it's
2: done. The curtain's called. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah so then Raphael, i'm curious do you have some people some squads you loved
3: so i didn't get that far into my current playthrough so i'm trying to remember what ones i had in my actual like really long running playthrough hmm. uh i remember building heavily around the leper um kind of in a similar role to the men at arms in that he's just like really tanky um i believe yeah. he can relieve his own stress he can heal himself and he just is tanky and hits hard. So he's very, like, self-sufficient um, and is a really good frontliner. Uh, as for the rest, I think I swapped them around a lot and didn't really settle on a particular setup. Um, yeah. Is a
2: healer essential or no? Am I just tripping? Because I'd be rolling healers every fucking party if I
3: possibly can. I really like the healers, yeah. Um uh, I think you can maybe get around healers uh by uh provisioning more food actually because you can just chow down on food at any time to heal people. It doesn't heal
1: them. That, that is true until they're full and then they won't eat more food.
3: Oh, okay, I guess I've never run into that cuz I usually run healers. Yeah. It yeah. all day.
1: Yeah, after, after a couple of foods they're like, no, I'm full, thanks I'm good, and, and it's like, you have six health, please eat more food <laughs> 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 and they're like, no, no, no this is fine, this is fine Oh god, that reminds me of one of the just horrible in this
3: corner.
2: horrible negative traits yeah. you can get where the person will refuse healing you know, at death's door yep. and you're like, motherfucker, <laughs> yep. dude come on yep. <laughs> you're like, no
0: one of my, uh, I think it was my, uh, one of my crusaders at one point like got stressed out beyond belief, and I forget what his negative trade is uh, when he reaches the threshold. But basically, my vessel would be healing people, and he would keep on like quirking up and being like, "It will be no use." Yeah. <laughs> so I'm
2: like, "Shut <laughs> Probably up!" Probably <hopeless> or something.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the funny thing is, I gave them all like really simple names, um, like. Uh, they they come pre-named like something like you know neville or percival or something like that and i named mine like bob and john and stan <laughs> and, like, amazing just because i found such joy of being like stan shut up
2: <laughs> like... stan's being stan again you know just over there <laughs> freaking out <laughs> <laughs> it's true it's true i was trying to think like what did i roll with i think i rolled with I don't think this is the best combo I came up with, but it was one of the ones that I worked with a lot. Was double crusader, healer, and then I think maybe plague doctor in the back. I don't know. I, t- you know, those uh crossbow like characters. I just could never.
1: The List? Yeah. Arablest.
3: Arablest. Yeah.
1: I just, I, I just guarantee you, whatever I was
2: saying in my head was worse than that. So. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah like i just can never make them work like i don't know they're okay they're like consistent range damage or something like that but i just
3: mm. i think they have to be part of like a mark comp so like you could use them gotcha. to great effect with the bounty hunter yeah mm.
2: and they do have this bandage move that's kind of cool where it, it doesn't do very much it's like you know two or three four healing something like that yeah um but it increases the healing that person gets for a couple of turns by 20%. So either your healer is really effective or one of the times using them was just two of them together. So like the first heal wouldn't do that much, but then the second heal would do something. And so they would just like start chain healing on top of someone like over and over and over again, and it would kind of work.
3: Yeah, but... so I think the Arbalest kind of works as a, a way to have like one main support healer mm-hmm. and then three damage characters where one of them is an arbalist. Okay. That kind of makes sense. Yeah. Oh, it's cool. Like, I, I just
2: got to say, like, there's a lot of like depth to this game, um, outside of just the fact that there are a lot of stats and stuff, which there are a lot of stats and stuff. You're like, okay, speed and dodge. And like, these are standard stats, but still there's a lot to look at. Um, but I feel like once you get over that hump and you understand what you're actually seeing, like it kind of seems simple and straightforward, and you kind of get into like the actual game, and then it starts to make sense, and then the comps start to like make more sense. Um, did anyone use the abomination? I think someone maybe said they did. Yes, I, I did.
0: used. What's him. his
1: deal? Uh
2: he... uh,
0: he stresses out your heart. <laughs> oh.
1: <laughs> well, yeah. So he has he has like human form attacks, and then he can transform, which gives like. A shitload of stress to the rest of your party and then does a lot more damage whoa okay. um, thanks uh, and um, it's kind of an interesting trade off but I'm not good enough to use it right so I just stressed out my entire party and they all died <laughs> Um. so that's what happened It's unfortunate <laughs> so were you quote
2: good enough to make that character work
0: No, like, well, I used them at the very early stages of my gameplay, a.k.a. when I was just making stupid mistake after stupid mistake. So I had a habit of not reading through abilities all the way. And all I saw was like, I saw like negative 15 stress or like or plus 15 stress. And for some reason, I thought the plus was like meant it would decrease or something or like i don't know well because like all the other stats you know pluses are good you know speed plus two attack plus two and so i saw like stress plus 15 i'm like oh this is great and he turns into a wolf form and the whole party just <laughs> freaks the fuck <laughs> out <laughs> and i was like okay this is not good yeah i i ended up just like w- not turning him and his non-turning abilities are just kind of subpar so i just benched yeah. him after that because i was like i I don't want to deal i i already have to deal with stress management way too much to like i don't need your liability yeah. please
2: yeah dude that's like the fucking volatile mech equivalent in this game you know or something like it's just like why why do yeah. i want i feel like okay no lie like did we all not experience at least one instance i'm not saying we went some of us you know maybe Raphael's it's very skilled player maybe didn't go all this way but like to reading an ability and thinking that it was way better than it actually was because like some of the things that you were doing were actually to yourself and just like not totally understanding that. Like, wow, this hits them, makes them bleed and marks them and slows their speed. and da, 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 da. And it's like, okay, wait, half that shit's to me. What the fuck? <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, so that's what i i will say that's what i am at first thought with the man of arms when i used that one parry riposte attack and i was like okay well he dealt three damage but he fucking marked himself yeah. like why the fuck would i want this but then the payoff with that like i can clearly see why you would use that ability um if you want to like subvert damage just onto him and not on your squishier characters perhaps mm-hmm. um like so, I can see the value in that, but then there were definitely other abilities where it's just like, you deal five damage, but you're blighted as a result. And I'm like, why the fuck would I do yeah, that? Exactly. Like,
2: is it worth it to have my plague doctor like remove this blight from me? Like, I don't, I don't think so, right?
0: <laughs> well, I didn't, I didn't bring the plague doctor with me on this. This is Dude, awkward. Th- I only carry one venom thing or like one venom vial thing. <laughs>
2: Dude, that's the other thing. Like, I when they start a mission off and they're like, here's a venom vial. And you're like, cool. Like, at, at first I was like, that means nothing. And then I was like, oh, it's a sign. Like, <laughs> there's going to be blight. <laughs> Everyone be cool. Um, yeah, dude. The, the plague doctor has a, a really actually quite badass ability where he like heals you like a very small amount, but then he cures bleed and blight on you and on himself. Mm-hmm. And so like, that doesn't always pay off, but God, when it pays off, oh, it's delightful. You're just like, oh, Amazing.
1: Yeah, it's a big deal. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, wow. It turns out there was yeah. a lot to fucking say about this game, no? Huh.
0: Oh, yeah. for sure.
2: That's awesome. Yeah.
0: Did anyone... So, like, I'm just curious. Has anyone been able to get to the, to the dungeon? The darkest dungeon? <laughs> like, the darkest dungeon?
3: Uh, I oh, believe I, I made an try. attempt once and died pretty hard on the way in.
0: Okay, so keep note after sixty-five hours yeah. of gameplay, this <laughs> once.
2: Yeah,
3: it's like level yeah.
2: six or something. I tried a level three pretty early on and it rocked my fucking
3: world. So oof. I mean, I think uh, as much as we praised the game, one of its really like major downsides is just how punishing it is and how how difficult it is. And i i say that like with a lot of mixed feelings because i i love difficult games like uh i play a lot of like really difficult platformers in particular and it's just like it feels so gratifying when you manage to like get past a difficult section uh but difficulty in darkest dungeon feels a bit different in that it's kind of more like the severity and chance of things going wrong um which doesn't feel quite as actionable as like, okay, I just need to like time that better or something. It's like, there's, there's not much you can do in that sense to mitigate it.
2: And the Um, downsides, if it does happen can be so great that. So wait, so I'm just like, you were talking
3: about, you can get caught in these like downward spirals. Yeah. Do, Do you, Because at the end of the day, it's like,
2: do you enjoy a game that punishes you really hard or do you not? Because it really fits with the theme. It fits aesthetically like it fits.
3: They even tell you like nine times up front. The the summary I gave of the game was it like it literally tells you that on like before the title screen, it's like this is what you're going to get out of this game. Like it will punish you. It will be hard. You will try to make the best of it. And like that's how this game works. And, and so I think they, they really built the game they were trying to make. Like yes. they were successful at it.
2: By the way, it tells you that every time you launch it, it doesn't just like tell you that the first time and then like hope you remember. It's like, no motherfucker. <laughs> just so you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. For real. Yeah. It's so that's the thing. They definitely made the game they were trying to make. I do at times wonder if this game sings exactly with my soul. <laughs> Cause I'm like, Jesus, this is so fucking hard. Um, but they definitely went out and did what they wanted to do. So that's like really awesome and it does fit and I see their vision from over here. Like, hmm. Wow, you really did that. Nice. Um, but like am I going to go to the darkest dungeon? Oh, no. Oh no. I don't know about that. I don't know about that. Even with all my upgraded armor and stuff like that, I don't know. Let's see.
0: I mean, I guess for me like I don't quite mind that only because I just, ha- I, I don't mind, like, like I've said before, I don't mind restarting a game multiple times just to get through, like, just to see how I can optimize, like, the easier bits of the game and how to, uh, I don't know, and then, like, have fun that way. I do that with XCOM a lot. I very rarely, I've, I think I've started, like, upwards of 25 games of XCOM, and I think only, like, three of those times I've actually completed the game like went all the way to the final boss um because i just find thrill in just the little i don't want to say meaningless bits but just like i i like i like the process these are games where i enjoy the process and don't necessarily want to go all the way to the outcome perhaps mm. Yeah. like i get just as much value constantly playing the first five levels of Darkest Dungeon than I would probably ever do like trying to go all the way to the Darkest Dungeon, probably. Like my my happiness levels are optimized or like maxed out yeah, that way. The,
2: the restart the game strategy is less and less effective when you put 65 hours into a playthrough.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that, that's, true, yeah. that's true. No, but
2: it's true though. I actually think like that might be true of a lot of games though. Like, cause a lot of games have a really tuned like beginning where there's a lot of opportunity but there's also like a, I guess like if you're thinking from like a narrative perspective, there's like a fresh face on it almost. Like it's almost like a new story in a way. And you're like, how does this start? Mm-hmm. Where do I go? Um, and there's like, yeah, I'm trying to think. Like I can't remember exactly which games. Well, okay, for instance, for me, for example, I actually really love the beginning of all the Dark Souls games because that's actually when in some ways they're like the hardest because you have like very little health. And I like that. Like, I like it because it's like so tuned and eventually like it explodes out to like whatever your build is and that's all great. And I'd love the, the 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 later sections of it too. But like the beginning is like always the beginning and it's always the beginning for like everyone. It's like really constrained mm. in what it is. Um, whereas eventually you could, you know, do other things, but there's like gotta be better examples of that. But yeah, totally. Like, like for instance, do you feel the same way with like Stardew Valley or something? Do you like start Stardew Valley over and over again? And you're like, dude, I'm going to do a new farm this time.
0: Oh, yeah. like. And then you do the same well, thing. <laughs> well, like Stardew Valley is a little bit different because there's like different layouts, I guess, you can do. But I guess you can like maybe tie that in with like different fighting comps, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Like I, I do like to restart Stardew Valley and just give myself... I, I like to give myself little mini challenges that maybe the game doesn't necessarily give you, but I just put onto myself. So like Stardew Valley, it's always like, all right, I'm going to finish the community center in year one and the game doesn't tell me to do this, but that's what I'm going to do. Whereas, like, I could see myself with this game being like, okay, I'm going to get through all of the cove not having lost a person or something like that. Like, I could see myself doing that.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and that's actually, like, it's so funny because it's like, that is what a rogue like is at its core is trying to create a game that allows you to restart it a bunch of times and play Mm. the beginning again better but they do change the variables certainly and actually that's my core critique of what a roguelike is in general is that they change the variables but it's so funny because like that's exactly what roguelikes are Despite being something that maybe only until recently you've amended your stance on, but it's just so funny because like that—that's what they're trying to give you. That's what they're set out to do, um, is be a game designed around restarting a game and having goals, like and and learning and growing and doing it better. So it's just it's it's just an interesting uh, concept there. Um, going on the my biggest problem with roguelikes, though, personally, just for me is that they change the variables, like I said. And I think that's for variety and all sorts of reasons that other people might enjoy it and like good for everyone else. But for me, what I like to do is I like games that let me try it over and over and over again, but don't change the variables. Like, for instance, I like coming up with a really good comp or something like that and then having it every time and then using it every time and perfecting my own use of it and my own understanding of it Um, So if you think FTL, like, I want to have this exact same ship with this exact same outfit, and I want to see as far as I can go. Like, that sort of thing. Whereas I think a lot of games, and specifically roguelikes, instead want to change their areas. Like, well, the best thing to do is to adjust to this random drop that you got, or you got these sorts of characters, so you're going to make this sort of comp this time. And that, to me, is always... It's always just, to me personally, like, really... I don't wanna say like offensive, but it's like, it makes me sad because it's like, I do really poorly the first time I do anything in a video game, like anything. I just like, the learning process requires me to fail, basically. And so like in a game like Dead Cells, which is an action game. So it's an action roguelike game. I've got this amazing weapon and this amazing build and I take it really far and then I die on a boss I've never fought before. And then I spend three more hours trying to get that build again so that I can get one more shot at that boss with this build and it never comes. And so that to me is like the anti-learning pattern that roguelikes sometimes have. And I think this one has it a bit where it's like, oh, well, I just don't have a healer this time for my party because I don't or whatever. And so it's forcing this like variety on me that I'd rather not have. And like, that's why I love certain games that allow you to just literally be like every single variable in the whole game is exactly as it was before so the only difference is your understanding of how to do this and your executional ability and then i love smashing my head against those until i improve and i think roguelikes often try to have this different type of improvement where you're really really good at pivoting mid-run based on what you see and for me i want like no pivoting i want to like know every stone and then I want to like navigate them all perfectly. So that's just one of those things that I think to me is like kind of counter to this genre. Like I,
1: I yeah. I so what you want to do is you want to finish a game.
3: You want to be done with it. You want to perfect it no. and then be done with it. I mean, I it. think like on Dead Cells in particular, I would yeah. say that's one of the worst offenders of, of this mm-hmm. where it's like, okay, you're, you're really digging this build and now you just can't use it. And it's like, but like, yes. I was having fun. Why can't yes. I have fun? And instead it's like, no, you're going to use dual shields. And it's like, but how does that even work? True. Um, And I think like roguelikes are kind of like, they're pretty variable on that actually. Mm -hmm. It's like a lot of the time they have a little bit of variation, but you can still kind of like go for your build like with variable amounts of resistance. Um, And yeah, so it, it can be a good thing, but it can also like be overdone for sure.
2: So so actually my favorite roguelike ever, if it's if it's actually roguelikes, is probably Dead Souls, maybe, but if we're gonna expand the concept of what a roguelike is, and I know it's like we reference this every fucking time in the podcast, I've already referenced it literally today, ten seconds ago, but Dark Souls is my favorite roguelike of all time. And here's why. I think it actually combines everything that I like about a roguelike and then everything I like about a traditional game. Because in between each bonfire is actually a roguelike experience where you run it over and over and over again, until you're good enough to proceed. And all the variables stay the same, so you can learn. But it is a roguelike, you're constantly starting over and learning and doing it better and setting goals for yourself. But then once you hit the next bonfire, you stay there, you never have to restart the previous one and you progress. And then there's also a story and there's also goals. So I think it's like the perfect hybrid of those two concepts, where there is progression, you do get further, but when you're stuck at a point, you actually run it a bunch of times just like a roguelike, but with the variables very constrained. So I just think like that to me, after having played an experience like that, I almost feel like all roguelikes kind of turn me off a little because they just don't feel like they're going places in a way that I feel mm. like they could. And I've been shown already. It almost feels like Dark Souls is the evolution of roguelikes, and we might as well not have them anymore for me personally. Um Cause it has all the good aspects and lifts all the bullshit I hate from the whole genre. So, I mean, for real, like straight up, like that's, that's just the way I see it. And I'm like, I, I love the progression and I love the building and I love the, like, like building of your skill set and building of your character. And then I love the repetition and I just love to be able to like learn and grow and like control the variables and learn and whatever. Cause like, for instance, like, What Raphael was telling me, and I think this is really true uh, in between runs and stuff, he was just telling me like, especially in FDL, like, uh, and even into the breach and stuff, just like go out there and like learn what things do and then you'll do it better the next time. Like in your head is where the growth is. And I love that. But then sometimes these games will like bless you with a run that's going really well and all of a sudden the pressure's on for me to like perform really amazing in completely uncharted territory and it's my total counter and I fucking choke. Um, and, and so that's what I love about multiplayer games too. I actually don't think they're quite as good as like a Dark Souls or something like that, but they start over constantly and I eventually learn all the variables. And even with something like Valorant, right? There's many rounds and each of these rounds, while slightly different, they do allow you to read your opponents so that you can make sense of what you're seeing. And by the end, you've reduced the chaos down to like, well, their characters can only do this much, but their player styles are, can only do this much also. And then you've kind of like made sense of it and you can progress. Um, and so I just I have such difficulty with like roguelikes that like give you something that you're never going to see again and you were doing it and you, you got it on like a learning run and it just feels so wrong. And I'm like, do I have to just spend the next three hours like trying my absolute pants off to like go? I I think I have to, like I've been blessed with this weapon that one shots things. Like I better go, Um, I may never see this thing again. And so I just, it all just like wraps up into, for me, like something that I just feel like, I don't know if that genre in its own can ever be like my favorite because of that, if if I've made this case enough. Um,
1: Yeah. Yeah, I feel like cool. So what you want to rate the game? okay oh, sh- okay.
0: Oh, we're gone. We'll go there.
2: <laughs> All right, what do I want to rate the game? I want to rate this game. This one's really confusing to rate for me because I feel very strongly that it's a one thumb up, but I also want to acknowledge that I really enjoyed it uh and played a lot of it and then really enjoyed watching Elena play and I'm definitely not gonna play it more myself, but definitely I'm gonna watch more of her play. Um, and she's enjoying it, but like for me at least specifically, I feel very done. (laughs) Like I'm good, I'm good. (laughs) Like I I played it a lot. I'm good, I'm good. Let's no more, please. Um, and so I could see other people going higher than one thumb, and that be a totally reasonable thing. For me, I think, I think that's where it stays, and I think it stays because it kind of shows its hand, and then it becomes just like very repetitive. I think after a while. Uh, And I think that kind of turns me off personally. Like, I'm like, okay, I'm done. There's not really like surprises really anymore. Now there's just playing it out and getting fucked over and over again or not or mitigating that, which is all fine. But I think, yeah, I think I'm going to go one thumb, but I could definitely see people going higher than that on this game. It has so much style and so much uh, that fits together. That's pretty, pretty cool.
1: Should I pass? Okay. uh, All right.
2: James, you want to control
1: this shit? You got this shit. Sure. I got this. Uh, Raphael?
3: So, I mean, also really hard to rate for me. Um, and similarly, like, I'm really torn because the style of it is just, like, so good and so compelling. I remember, like, I saw the trailer for it, and I was like, I want that. Because mm. it's just, mm. like... I think as a kid, I played, like, Diablo 2 and just, like, got a taste for this sort of, like, really dark setting. Um, And it just nails that so well on the other hand like i i get really frustrated by the game um i kind of want to give it like another serious attempt um which i've been starting to do uh but the last time i played on normal difficulty and i think actually the difficulty doesn't add value to me for this game it's more about the atmosphere and the characters and just like playing around with the mechanics. And so I've been doing an easy or radiant run this time. Um, and I think I'm having as much, if not more, fun. So, which is, it just feels really backwards for me. Um, so, where does that actually end up in terms of actual rating? Hmm. Um, I think I'm also going to have to go with one thumb, but I have this suspicion that I will wish I had given it two thumbs in the future.
2: Fair. So one and a half thumb? No. (laughs) Don't bring that sin in here.
1: (laughs) Zoe?
0: Uh, It's going to be a very strong one thumb from me, I think. Uh, in the in the realm of roguelikes, this is my kind of style and my kind of, I don't know, I, it's the style of roguelike that I like, and like I said before, it's not going to be a game that I necessarily play to completion, I see it being a game that I just constantly restart but I see the value in restarting over and over again, and I feel like I will have as much enjoyment doing that than I ever would have, like struggling my way through to the darkest dungeon. Um. Yeah, I am I'm, I'm really enjoying it. You know, visuals are great, soundtracks great. The, uh, you know, the narrator narrating your whole through uh, whole way through, like this kind of narrative. Narrative roguelike is my is my my bread and butter. I not bread and butter, because that makes it sound like I specialize in these games. Not really. <laughs> um it, it's 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 enjoyable to me for sure. So it's like a very strong one thumb uh teetering on the edge of two, but I think I'll keep it at one.
3: Maybe this is your gateway roguelike?
0: Yeah, we can say that. <laughs> I, I think like Hades I think, is like my gateway. Right, right. Hades was my gateway roguelike that I really like, and I still play Hades. But I to feel this
2: like you day. have one hand still um, holding the gate of Hades, <laughs> you know, in the roguelike genre. Like, okay, this is like cooler than I thought, but I don't know if I want to go that much further than Hades. <laughs> like, dude.
0: Hades is like the brink of. I call it number vomit. Like, mm-hmm. Hades is the brink of number vomit roguelike games where it's like you just mash the attack button and hope for the best (laughs) um but uh like for certainly like on a turn-based roguelike i really like the style of darkest dungeon i like how that gameplay plays out and i like the strategy involved with that um Yeah. And I I guess like the reason why I like this maybe over FTL is because of the it's sounds petty, but it's because of the visuals and it's because of that flavor, text and personality with each character. Mm -hmm. You know, the the Bob, Joe and Stan of my darkest dungeon party is better than the Bob, Joe, Stan of my uh, FTL space shuttle, (laughs) unfortunately. (laughs) But uh, yeah. So, yeah, one thumb.
1: Cool. All right. Uh, I'm gonna go ahead and uh, give it a solid two thumbs. This uh, game is really cool. It it's right in the um, the sweet spot for me of um, like mechanics and uh, and then also um, like story and uh, and atmosphere i I think it um it plays with those things very well and the mechanics work really well with to build atmosphere um and so i really enjoy playing this game for like three hours every few years um but i've come back to it every few years i mean i i so i have like 20 hours in the game. so that's not quite, that might be the average, but it's not quite how <laughs> how it works out. Um, I, I really enjoy my time with this game when I'm in the mood for it.
2: That's awesome. Um, I I think
1: that's, yeah. so you said this game,
2: sorry, James, could you touch on this a little bit? You might have on previous episodes, but you said this game was very important, like in the genre or like when it came out. Do you, do you want to oh, speak to that a little um, bit before we get
1: out of here? Uh, I, I can't remember what I was going for with that statement. Um, it was, uh, so it was a big deal, um, in that it, uh, it went from Kickstarter to early access to out and it, um, uh, it, it made waves kind of every time, um, it, it was released, I guess, uh, <laughs> um, and, uh. I it it created a new kind of roguelike, I think, of um you're not just like one thing that goes and goes and goes and then crashes. It's like you it's 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 a roguelike more in that you do what Zoe did where you you try a bunch of stuff and you fail and you realize that your your run is screwed and then you start over. Um And, uh, it's a roguelike in that your individual characters die. But I think that having the, the party of roguelike characters is, is new. Um, I, I don't remember what I was going for with saying that this game is very important. It was important in, uh, in my game playing. It was one of the early roguelikes that I played, uh.
2: Cool. Well, I don't need to press yeah. you. If I just—it's just something you mentioned as being like quite yeah. influence, uh, influensive. What am I looking for? Um, but influential. influential, influential. Thank you, thank you. Um, and I guess the last note that I'll say, just because it came to my head, is that we all played with actually pretty drastically different parties, um, and found synergy in all of them, and that's fucking rad. Cool. Um, next week we're playing Slay the Spire. Do you want to say anything about that, yeah. James, before we get out of here?
1: Yeah, so Slay the Spire is a roguelike deck-building card game. Um, and it's also got a ton of mechanics. I would say that it's a lot lighter on the flavor. Um <laughs> uh I mean it's it's hard to be as flavorful as Darkest Dungeon like that it's Darkest Dungeon is one of the most flavorful games that there is I would say um it but like Slay the Spire is is a really cool game I would say that it's less grinding on your on your uh I don't know mental health um you, When you lose, you're not, like, watching six people die. You're just like, oh, shit, time to go again. Um, and uh, I would say that in order to learn this game, I would play a little bit by yourself and then um, to kind of build up your vocabulary of, of how the game works and then um, play with other people to learn uh like either watch somebody else or like you know reach out to me see if i can like hop in and watch a stream or something if if you're on this podcast um
0: (laughs) otherwise
1: my twitter is uh at somehow sideways i'm not great at this game but i am pretty good at talking about it um
2: Dude, James, you're gonna have a professional yeah, so, full time job of just like managing the calendar of random people
1: trying to get like a fucking one hour <laughs> stream for this. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Perfect. I can't. I promise nothing, cool. uh, but I will deliver. Um, <clears throat> uh, and um, so that I I think that that it's important in in this game specifically to, and I don't know at least to how I learn, um, to kind of figure out what you should be paying attention to, to to do that in in dialogue, um, or at least in kind of watching somebody. I'm
2: really Um, excited for this game, personally. I know because I was, for a long time, uh, pretty into Hearthstone. And then, it seems like, for me, the transition with, it's like the general progression with a game is I'll play it a lot. And then I'll watch streams of high level players playing it. And then eventually I'll play it less and I'll just watch the high level players play because I think ultimately, like I kind of enjoy the higher levels of the games and I enjoy the, their, the, their thought process and hearing about it and understanding why they're doing high level stuff. Um, and eventually I just like stop playing the game because I just can never really do that myself. Um, and I don't really want to grind mm-hmm. to get there necessarily. And am I even capable of grinding to get there? These are the questions. Um, but a lot of Hearthstone streamers that I watched a lot of and many years prior played a lot of Slay the Spire. And I, I didn't have the sort of understanding of what it was at the time. So I couldn't really like follow it, but they really enjoyed it. And I really value what they think. So I'm very excited for this game. And I've played a lot of Hearthstone and some Dominion or a lot of Dominion. And so I'm just hoping like I have enough to get somewhere into this game and in, into this game's beauty, I should say, because it very clearly has it for those high level deck building card player type people that I'm not sure that I am. But boy, are they fun to
1: watch. So, so, so I think that you kind of like me will have fun playing this game and be like, wow, I don't understand how to make my, how to be better. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and then, and then like this struggle is learning how to be better. <laughs> But it's fun along the way. Um,
0: and notably, Mother Steam has been uh, grinding Slay the Spire a lot these past weeks, wow. actually. Oh, really? I think she currently has, uh, well, this is this is huge for her. She's got 12 hours logged wow. on it. Oh, damn. So, you know, there you go. Ask her
1: what ascension level she is.
0: I will be sure to ask her that next time I see her. I'll text her. <laughs> cool. <laughs>
2: that's awesome i 12 hours is a lot yeah. i mean she must like it
0: hmm. yeah
1: that's yeah. awesome all right
0: i mean i, I would assume so maybe she, this is just some masochistic thing she's doing where she's like i hate this game log <laughs> <I> on <hope> <laughs> <not>. <laughs>
2: dude it's always so funny to me when someone says some shit like that because sometimes you'll actually hear that like someone will be just like I just I fucking hate this why am I playing this and I'll be like the fact that you just said that
1: out loud and didn't close it just like really is a red
2: flag to me
1: <laughs> yeah so so to give you an idea of like the depth of strategy that is available that I have no access to um, there's this streamer whose name is Jorbs that has like 7,000 hours in this game or something like that
3: um Holy shit
1: and um he still plays it for like five to seven hours a day Reasonable. um and has has you know it enjoys trying to figure out how to win every time and he has maybe a thirty percent win rate whoa so so yeah. but that's at the highest level you're not the in that. You start at Ascension 0. Uh, and then you have to beat Ascension 0 to get to Ascension 1. And then you have to beat Ascension 1 to get up. And he's at Ascension 20. Mm-hmm. Uh, And it's a lot harder. Sure. Sure.
2: That's so crazy. I mean, dude. But, dude, if we could see the fucking numbers that these streamers are playing these games, dude. It would just rattle our fucking minds, dude. Like. Like. Oh, my God. Like, the, these numbers these people have in, like multiplayer games or like professional players have in like Counter-Strike or League or whatever the fuck it's crazy dude crazy um perhaps another day thank you Rafael for guesting for spotting again you've been hitting us with the spots back to back to back um we appreciate you yeah no
3: problem it's been a lot of fun
2: we paid him to say that but yeah (laughs) (laughs) in fact he's not allowed to leave (laughs) <laughs> cool. Um I guess awesome. Let's get out of here. Right. Woo, nice. Sweet. All right. Take care.